Hi everyone, this is David Wolf. I'm excited to get right into this week's episode of Beyond the Summit, but before we do that, I want to ask you for a little help supporting the show, and it costs absolutely nothing to you except 10 seconds of your time right now. If you could go into the podcast platform that you are listening to this episode on and rate the show with five stars, that would help spread the word and the incredible messages that our guests give to us each and every week. You can leave a comment or review of what you thought about previous episodes or wait to the end of the show and leave your review then. Now look, if you don't like the episode, when you're done, you can go ahead and change your rating as well. That's perfectly fine. But thanks so much again for listening to Beyond the Summit and supporting the podcast each and every week. Undoubtedly, the greatest pain a parent could ever have would be to see one of their own children pass before them. Today is the first of two podcasts where we're going to talk to a parent who did lose one of their children at an early age. In today's podcast, you're going to hear from Shane Robbins. He and his wife, Krista, lost their son, Gage, at the tender age of 19 years old. But what Shane and Krista did for their son, Gage, in that last year is absolutely incredible, making his final wishes come true. That of parachuting from an airplane, but also meeting the actor, Adam Sandler. And what you'll hear in this podcast is so much more than just a casual meeting, but an incredible friendship that grew between Gage and Adam. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Beyond the Summit, and I hope that you go to the podcast on either Spotify or Apple Podcast, follow the podcast, and listen to all the episodes that we've had so far. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome to Beyond the Summit, where we journey into the heart of human potential. I am your host, David Wolf. Here we will engage with extraordinary minds, unlock secrets of success, and discover what fuels happiness in our extraordinary guests. Prepare to be inspired, to grow, and to see beyond your own summit. All right, all right, all right, all right. Four times, you're only supposed to do it three times. All right, all right, all right. Hey. I was, uh, just before we started, I was looking on Facebook and I saw this little uh, clip came up. It says, uh, Disney World opened its doors 50 years ago, October 1st. So, no, that had been 52 years ago. 53 years ago. October 1st, 1971, 52 years ago. And that's always a good memory for me because when I was, actually, I'm going to show you a picture here. When I was nine years old, mom took her four children. That little guy there, he's uh, eight or nine years old. That's me, okay? So that's my mother with her four children, my brother standing behind my mom, my sister, my older sister, and then my sister Becky, who is in like a burnt red burgundy sort of dress behind me. You know, it's, it's one of those. Right. It's supposed to look like it's an old time picture and that we're standing on the back of a, a caboose. Uh, and so that's always a good memory. So we were actually there for the 10th anniversary of Disney World. And now they're 50 plus years later. Wow. It was back in one. And it, it, that's a good lead into this show. You know, we've had Shane, uh, we've had some really uh, tough conversations already in this very young show. Uh, we've talked uh, last week in an incredibly impactful, emotional uh podcast and conversation with Anthony Vella talking about his time in the military and and him being a combat medic and the things that he had to witness uh his PTSD uh with same thing with with Pod Scandrett and the loss of of a wife and and Jillian Wintermute uh talked about uh getting Crohn's disease at an early age Tim Gaskins talked about uh 
the moment he found out he had cancer. And that kind of leads us into this week. And uh, Shane, hmm, Shane and his wife, Krista, had to endure something that we pray nobody else has to endure, which is the loss of a child. And that's why Shane's here today to talk about uh, the loss of his child and his life since then and, and any positive impact he's been able to make because of that. And while I'll never, well, I hope to never know what it's like, nor can I even fathom the pain that it must cause. Uh, since 1982, I've watched my own mother change since the loss of my sister, Becky. And originally, Shane, we were going to have my mother, Barbara, on this show and have both of you talking about this topic. But, you know, she's 84 years old. And, you know, I'd like to say that as you get older, you're, you're, the challenge of technology becomes more difficult. But in your case, it starts at an early age, I guess. Yeah, right. you had some old days getting logged in. Oh, I had so much problems this morning. For whatever reason, my laptop just did not want to accept uh, my password for the uh, start of being, uh, opening my laptop. And I went to my other laptop and it won't even turn on. Now, she, I get two laptops down and I'm like, okay, this has been over an hour and a half that I have been fighting to try to get online this morning. Um, in course, Dave has to use an app on the computer that doesn't allow phone usage just killed that high so, quality technology on this show my friend yeah so i went in and asked my wife i was like where's your ipad she's like it's in there i'm like all right cool i go in go to turn it on I go i don't know what her password is i've never even been on this thing apparently it's same password for all our laptops and i'm like oh okay thanks went in i had the cap lock off it wouldn't even come on i was like this is not working i'm like oh my god i'm and so now I'm frustrated. Then I finally get on with you and I can't hear you. You can hear me just fine. I can't hear you. Was that my fault, Dave? No, I had my microphone turned away from my <laughs> face. And... <laughs> I'm trying to push past. I'm trying to push the volume up button past infinity. And Dave's over there with this microphone turned sideways. And I'm just sweating up a storm going, why is this not working? Why is this not working? That's right. So, but as far as my mom, I, I know she still wants to do the show and it's been, um, it was a struggle for her to, to say yes. But, you know, as, as we talk more and more about these, these challenges that we face in life, that people have faced in life and, and going beyond the summit and, and overcoming them, you know, she knows that there's other people out there just like you do who need to hear these stories because, at some point of their life, either they themselves will go through challenges similar or they'll know someone that's going through a similar challenge. And by hearing that you're not alone out there, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. Yes. So mom will be on at some point, uh, hopefully in the near future. She lives about four hours away from me. So at that point, I'll get her all squared away with the technology and, and we'll have part two of this topic. So, so Shane, if you don't mind, would you uh, just talk to us a little bit about your son, um, Gage and Tell us what it was like and, and all that. All right. So my son, Gage, um, was my firstborn. And, well, my wife and I is firstborn. She gets mad at me because I always say my son, my son, even though she's standing there. She's like, isn't it our son? Anyways, 
so our son Gage was born uh, in '96, and um, I had a I had a whole new life ahead of me. I had to become a real man and take care of real father responsibilities, which um, my wife and I did uh, together very well. Um, he was just from from just a little child. He was he was always a caring kid. Um, and you know, when people die, they, everyone's like, oh, he was such a nice person, blah, blah, blah. This is so true to his, um, his way of life. They were teachers in school that never had him as a student, but knew who he was because he just was the kid that cared about everybody. If a teacher was having a bad day, he would pick up on that and make sure that that teacher had a great day. Um, same thing with students, um, and we're talking as early as elementary school all the way up to high school. He always wanted to make people happy. Um, he was a little bit of a class clown. Um, he might have got that from me. I'm not sure. Um, he played sports. Um, I played football my whole life and, and wanted him to just be a dominant player on the football field. And he just wasn't. He was just so... Like he would be the one helping the teammate or the the other team up off the ground. Um, the kid would get hit so hard because he wouldn't hit back. And I'm like, son, why are you not knocking these heads off? And he's like, ah, I'm not mad yet. And it would take almost the entire game of him just getting pushed over and knocked down. And finally he'd come out of this little, you know, in quotes, air quotes here, um, being soft and, and start dropping people. And I'm like, where has this been the whole game? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't really like to feel that way. So all of a sudden, he decides he wants to try wrestling. The one sport that I just refused to do in high school was wrestle. And this kid would walk out on the mat and absolutely dominate his opponent each and every time. Um, and he ended up going to state actually i think he went to state all three years of high school um in his senior year he um went up to five pounds more than his weight class and got i can't remember if it was 12th or 14th in the state of florida for five pounds above his weight class which when it comes to wrestling you want to be as light as you can so you can wrestle the the smallest weight class that you can and uh, he did five above. And each and every time he'd beat somebody on the mat and he'd put his hand down and say, you know, good good match, whatever. And the other teams, the other schools would come over and, and hang out with him because he was just such a nice kid. It was awesome. Um, and then he graduated high school. And I really wanted the best for him. Well, my wife and I really wanted the best for him. And we talked him into going to the military. And so shortly after graduating high school, you've got a kid that's 18 years old at the top of his health. And, you know, just got life ahead of him, goes to the military. He's there for, I want to say three, within the first three weeks on the morning runs, they would have to weigh down his um, backpack. And I think they went up to 
35 or 40 pounds on his backpack so the drill sergeants could keep up with him. Because he was just running in circles. The the old 90s uh, cartoon with the little dog and the big dog. Are, and the little dog's like, where are we going, Spike? Where are we going, Spike? And he's just running in circles around the big dog. Um, that was my son. And they they got so mad at it. Like, they, they couldn't keep up with him. So they started weighing his pack down. Well, about a week or so after after that, he ended up getting this mass in his neck. And they took him to the infirmary and gave him a shot of, I, I want to say steroids. I, I don't remember. Um, and the thing almost went away, like completely. You couldn't even see it. So after that, he couldn't hardly run. He couldn't do any push-ups. He couldn't do any pull-ups, nothing. So they medically discharged him and sent him home. Told him, uh, you know, come back when you, you know, get all better, what have you. And uh, we'll be more than happy to take you back. Well, about a week after he got home, this thing just literally grew overnight into just huge ball on the, on the front of his uh, throat. So my wife's like, hey, you need to come up to my work. We'll get you x-rays all this stuff and uh she's like okay all right my son my, my son gage is like okay so my wife calls me and says hey gage is over getting x-rays now you need to come up and check out his neck this is crazy and i'm like what are you talking about so i show up i see him from across the room when i say across the room it's a corridor where they have like almost like a food court if you will and a bunch of doctors um front desks I could see this thing from across the the corridor. He's not even a quarter away across it. I could see this mass in his neck. And I'm like, what? And I said, son, can you breathe? He's like, yeah, I can breathe just fine. I'm like, how? This thing is just, it's almost the size of a a small tennis ball, if, it will, if you will, on his front of his throat. So they um, sent him to the... Uh, ER, we went to the ER, we seen an ears, nose, and throat uh, doctor. They said, oh, well, we'll give you some steroids. And the steroids, again, made it shrink to almost not even noticeable. So they said, we're going to schedule you for surgery, and we'll get we'll take out your lymph node. It's probably just a lymph node that is uh, uh, going bad on you, so we'll take them out. You'll take some medicine the rest of your life, you'll be fine. Like, okay, well, they scheduled this thing out for a month and a half, two months out. Don't ask me why it wasn't done right away. Um, and each day he'd come out and it'd be either bigger or smaller. Like it like just grew however it wanted. And uh, one day we all went, my wife and I went to work. My, uh, my daughter went to school and uh, Gage was home alone and this thing decided to blow up in his neck to get even bigger and he couldn't breathe so <clears throat> my phone that day rang one time and then like like he hung, like he called and then hung up and i didn't know what it was about well i get alerts on my uh on my security cameras that someone's out front of my house and i see my son standing out there in his boxers gasping for air i want you to know as a parent i'm seeing this and I'm just like, holy crap. So <clears throat> I rush, I'm, I'm rushing home watching him the whole time. And then I see the ambulance pull up 
him walk into the back of the ambulance on his own. And after talking um, to the paramedics later, they said as soon as he walked in late on the on the gurney, he passed out. So, you know, I'm watching all this go down. I didn't, I couldn't see inside of the ambulance, but they intubated him. They took him over to uh, this other hospital that's closer. And when we got there, I was like, this place is not going to be able to take care of my son. So we had him um, <clears throat> stabilized. And then, of course, at this point, he's intubated. And all he wanted to do is kept pulling this tube out of his throat. And, you know, hold his hands down and go, son, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, okay. Like he's in it, in and out of realizing what's going on. So every, I don't, 10, 15 seconds, I have to remind him not to pull on that tube because it's helping him breathe. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> give me the thumbs up. And, and then he'd go back to sleep. And then he'd wake up uncomfortable and try to pull the tube. And I finally called my wife and said, I can't do this by myself. What do you, you need to get here. She's like, I'm on my way time she got there we had already got a hold of the, the doctor from the er who's expecting him they're getting ready to do surgery whatever now at this point we had no idea it was cancer we only knew that it was a what we thought was a lymph node that was um going bad on him so <clears throat> they go in for surgery and they remove the left side of the, his left lymph node and then go over to the right side and realize this is not a lymph node; it is cancer, and this cancer has woven itself through arteries, um, muscle around his voice box, around his esophagus. Um, it's everywhere. The only thing it didn't do was go up. Like everything, it seemed like it was just growing left, right, and and downward. Um, so we were in the waiting room waiting for the surgery to be over and the doctor come in and said can we talk i need to talk to you too so we go into this little room and i don't know if you guys know but that little room is nothing good there's no good news comes to that little room remember little room because the end of this story there's a little room um so we go into this room and he's like hey we removed his left, I'm sorry, we removed his left lymph node, and I went to go to remove the right side, and he's just ain't up with cancer in his neck. And I was like, well, how? How do you go from being 12th to 12th, 14th in the state of Florida wrestling, and being in top shape of your life, and now this kid is breathing through a tube? So... He asked if uh, if we wanted to debulk it so he could have some breathing or just leave the tube in and not mess with it. My wife and I opted for the debulking so that he wouldn't have a tube in to breathe. And we they went in, finished everything up. We go into his room. He wakes up. And uh, I just looked at him. I said, son, <sighs> you got cancer. He goes... Yeah, I kind of figured. He goes, that's okay. We can beat this. <clears throat> what a positive attitude he has. His whole life. Sounds like this this young man is just remarkable. So, <clears throat> doctor comes in and, and uh, 
I guess from down the hall, we're only talking maybe five minutes since I told Gage that he had cancer. Then the doctors and nurses hear us laughing coming out of the room, like full on laughing. And uh, it was Gage making light of the situation. He was just telling jokes, stuff that he thought he saw while he was in surgery, you know, like, like they always have the stories. Oh, well, I was, I was out and I saw angels, but he was like, Oh dad, I saw other things. It was hot down here. Like he was just telling jokes and, and just trying to make everything easier on us. So <clears throat> we go to start doing chemo. Um, and he does six weeks of chemo. Now I will tell you the, the, my, my son always had somewhat of short hair and we had talked about all the side effects to, uh, to chemo, you know, losing your hair, you know, just whatever, just feeling sick all the time, feeling gross. And he's like, all right, no problem. And, uh, so about uh, second week, I think it was or third week, he comes out of his bedroom. He's like, dad, I'm losing all my hair. And I was like, son, I told you. He, he, this is what one of the side effects he's like yeah i know he goes but it's literally just falling out and i was like all right go in the bathroom and and shave your head or whatever you know clip your hair or whatever and i tell you what to this day i regret that not going in with him he was fine with it but for me personally it killed me not to be there for him for that so that was my only regret during this because going through this process because I should have been there because he would have been there for me, even though my head shaved already. But, you know, I'm saying he would have been there. I know he would have, and I let him down. Anyways, <clears throat> we're going to get through this, Dave. I feel like you let him down with that. Why? Um. Yes. We always see... Like on, on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, you always see people going in and shaving their loved one's head or whatever. You know, like they're always shaving the mom's hair and then everyone else shaves their hair. Not necessarily I was planning on shaving my head, but just be there for him. You know, the sh the support. And I, I don't feel I was. So I regret that. And I'm trying not to cry, Dave. Just so you know, this part kills me. <laughs> I well, listen, first of all, and I haven't said this yet, but I really appreciate you sharing this story with everyone and you and Krista both. Yes. Um, so he ends up doing the six weeks of, of uh, radiation and everything was non-existent. You couldn't see with the naked eye. You couldn't see um, any swelling. He could breathe just fine. His talking went back to normal. He had a very raspy talk. When the cancer was around his vocal cords and stuff. And uh, so we get done and uh, we go in and talk to the doctor. And he's like, hey, um, we're going to go ahead and do uh, radiation now. And we're like, what do you mean? It's all gone. He goes, no. He goes, there's another part that's growing during the radiation. I'm sorry, during the chemo. So now we got to hit, hit that with radiation. So I was like, okay. So this kid goes and he's like, all right, dad, no big deal. I got half of this beat. Let's go get the other half. 
And he literally is skipping out the doctor's door to go to radiation. Like he's like, all right, let's like, he's going to go get an oil change on his car. He's just like, let's go. I was like, son, they got to set this all up, blah, blah, blah. You got, I don't know what, what we got to do, but there's not just walk in and get taken care of. So they do the whole radiation thing. And at the end of, uh, I think he did six or eight treatments. And at the end of that, the mass on his neck showed back up during all this radiation. So this, this goes on for a grand total of 10 months from the day the cancer showed up to the day my son passed was 10 months and a few days. This cancer um, is called Burkitt's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And there's about 300 cases a year in the, in the United States. And, uh, there's only three or four different ways of getting it, which have been, been to a third world country, which he had never been, have HIV, which he didn't have, uh, have malaria, which he never got or had. And there was a fourth one. I can't remember what the fourth one is, but during when when he went to boot camp, we got his medical records and every vaccination that he had had as a child, he got again. He got malaria vaccination and he got a bunch of other stuff. So we have pinpointed where he got his cancer from. And if we go back to what I just said, there's 300 cases a year in the United States. And three other people in his platoon, same platoon, died of the same thing. Oh, uh, no. So, anybody wants to argue with me about that, we, we can have that discussion. I just wanted to point that out. Anyways, back to my son. Um, <clears throat> We went over the Tampa. We did actually start... I mean, let me backtrack. I'm sorry. While we were at Holmes Regional uh, Medical Center, Gage started a... Well, we started a um, GoFundMe page. Um, and we raised $3,000 to cover his out-of-pocket medical expenses for my insurance. And of course, January 1st, a month and a half later, <laughs> it's a new year. So there's a new $3,000 copay that needs to be paid, which I think is totally just wrong. <laughs> but... So we raised another 3000 and then I got this idea because Gage was just, he was just constantly just positive about everything. We, he would get told that this treatment didn't work. He's like, all right, what's next? We got this. No problem. So I started this Facebook page, um, supporting Gage and kind of shared everything that had to do with him the money that we raised, how much we raised. We started these shirts. Um, it's, uh, I wear lime green for gauge. We, we had a company that's here locally in town. Um, so they'll, they'll do the shirts. I just, we just had to pay for the material and they wouldn't charge us to do the, the shirts. And we're talking, <laughs> our first order was 850 shirts sold out in two days. And then we ordered, I think, a little over 3,000 shirts a second order and sold out in less than a week. Wow. Now, every every time we would post something on Facebook, and I linked the page to, to my son's page, because a lot of times, you know, at nighttime, we would go 
back to the hotel. They wouldn't let us stay the night or whatever. Um, and he was bored. But he would go through and read all these comments from all these people. People he had never met. People he's never talked to. Doesn't, don't know. They don't know him. They just know his story. And <clears throat> their, their, their stories were... I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I was depressed. I'm looking at your story, realizing my life could be a lot worse. And you were still so positive and giving people words of encouragement during all of this. I mean, he had blisters so big on his neck from the radiation and could barely talk. And he's trying to go live or not live, but make a video to tell one person that he read in a comment that they're having a bad day wanted to say something to them to make them feel better. Like genuinely a freaking good guy, <laughs> you know, and, and cared about other people. So somebody and I, we asked them a bucket list thing, which is a parent asking your child what a bucket list thing is, just in case this goes south is probably, <clears throat> It ain't good. It ain't easy. They said he wanted to do skydiving. He wanted to meet Adam Sandler and do, do something else. I don't remember what it was. My wife has a memory of an elephant. She never forgets nothing. But uh, I said, oh, well, skydiving we can do. I said, you got cancer. You, yeah, I don't know. You don't have the cure for cancer. You're never going to meet Adam Sandler. You know what I mean? Like, it's just no way. So uh, a friend of mine... I said, Shane, um, have your boy at the airport um, on this day. I'm paying for him to go uh, skydiving. I was like, awesome. So I had my, my wife couldn't make it um, between already taking off work so much and everything. We She just couldn't take the day off to go be, be with us this day. But my daughter was there. My son had no idea. He thought we were going to go pick up a smoker, like a wood burner smoker and I needed his muscles this this cancer kid's muscles <laughs> like he was so weak at this point he, he's like dad I don't know what I could do for you I was like moral support buddy moral support and uh he's just like um he's like all right I'll, I'll help you out we pull into the airport and he goes this is the smoker at the airport and then this guy rushes up to him as he opens the door and it's the news camera guy with a camera in his face. And he's like, Gage, did you have any idea you're going uh, skydiving today? And of course, you know, how kids embarrass you by saying things. He says a, uh, a, a word on out loud that you can't say here or on the news. So there was a little beep. Are you talking about? And, uh. They're like, you're skydiving. And he looks at me. He's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So they took him up and uh, everyone jumped. And I, I'm, I counted the people going in. I counted how many parachutes. And I'm like, oh, he chickened out. Because there was no, there was one parachute in short. I was like, oh, he didn't go. He chickened out. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, he chickened out. All of a sudden, the chute opens up. And uh, they come in and land. And actually, Dave, you could find that on my Facebook, um, that whole thing. But uh, he comes in and lands, and he's just as happy as he could be. And we, we drove home 
And I don't think he said two words. He just looked up at the sky and smiled the whole way. And you could just see him tapping his fingers. And he's just like, he was alive. You know, he, he just had the rush of, uh, of this thing. And he was just enjoying it. And I was so happy for him. So they started this hashtag Gage meets Adam Sandler or something. And they started it on this, um, this Facebook page. I don't know if you've ever trended or know anybody that's trended on Facebook, but Gage's story trended for like a week and a half solid on Facebook, which is pretty hard to do. Like everyone's feed saw his story. So I don't know how it happened. So-and-so knows so-and-so that knows so-and-so that talked to Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler said he'd call Gage at the hospital. So Adam Sandler's, um, I call her his handler. Her name's Judith. Um, she called me. She's like, Shane, what's going on? I'm like, hey, um, you know, Gage is sick and, and, uh, uh, he wants to talk, he wants to talk to Adam Sandler. He wants to meet him. But I mean, right now he just finished up a 96 hour chemo treatment. So for 96 hours, they just pumped him full of chemo stuff. And it was, it was really horrible. And it was, I guess, bad timing, if you will, on um, Adam Sandler's part for calling him, which I'm greatly appreciative he did, but Gage couldn't talk. It was like just fire in his throat. So the hotel, or I'm sorry, the hospital room uh, phone rang, and I answered it, and he's like, hey. And, of course, you know the iconic voice of Adam Sandler. And I was like, holy crap. I, hey, hey uh, <laughs> I thought about Adam Sandler has a couple different iconic words. Or like a dish, yeah. or he could talk like himself. I, oh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to get to that. Heard that phone? Yeah. No. When I when I picked it up and and he was like, "Hey, can I speak to Gage?" I knew exactly who it was, like instantly. And I was oh. like, "Um, hold on, please." Yeah, let me put Adam Sandler on hold because I'm somebody. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Gage, it's Adam Sandler. He wants to talk to you." And Gage's like eyes got real big, and he's his throat was so sore and I gave him the phone and he's like, hello. And this real raspy sore, just absolutely sore throat. And, uh, I hear Gage talking to him. I see tears coming out of his eyes cause he's in so much pain, but he doesn't want to pass the opportunity to talk to Adam Sandler. And finally Gage just gives me the, I'm done. I can't talk. So I grabbed the phone from him and I'm, I pick the phone up to my ear and I hear Adam just talking about what's going on in, in on set of whatever movies he's at or whatever. And I was like, Hey, Adam, I was really sorry. And I said, the chemo's messed with his throat. He can't talk. I, I'm really sorry. Um, but I Gage thanks you. And we all thank you for calling. Greatly appreciate it. He's like, Oh, okay. Thanks. And I hung up and I was in the phone call. Well, the phone rings right back. And I answered, and he's like, um, I didn't get to say goodbye to Gage. I was like, what? Sorry, hung up on you, Mr. Sandler. Because <laughs> apparently I did. So I gave him the phone, and I told, I said, Gage, you don't have to say nothing. Just, you know, Adam wants to say bye to you or whatever. So then all happened. I hung up the phone, didn't think nothing of it. A couple of days later, we get word um, that we have to go. We've been back and forth from Moffitt. Um, over in Tampa to um, Holmes Regional here and the last time we went to Holmes Regional after we'd gotten back from 
uh, Tampa, they had told us that they're, well, they're done. They don't have any other, Tampa has no other um, treatments for Gage's cancer. So we came back here, and when we went to the oncologist, his oncologist wasn't there, but they had a fill-in doctor. And the fill-in doctor said, well, um, you're 18 years old. You're an, or, or you're 19 years old by this point. You're an adult. Um, there's nothing we can do from here except for keep you comfortable in the hospital until the disease takes you. I... Uh, wanting to jump over and choke this guy for, for like, that's not the way to say it. You know what I mean? Like you could have said, Hey, we've tried all these options and nothing works. We've got to find something else. Give this kid some kind of hope in, in, in this instant of hearing this. This is what I thought. And my son looked at him and goes, I don't want to die. He goes, well, I don't, unless your parents can find a treatment somewhere else, that's going to work. That's, this is what's going to happen. So we left there, went to the hospital, and admitted him into the hospital. And uh, my wife, bless her heart, dude, she got on that computer. She talked to people from uh, Germany, um, every every state, Canada, United States. Um, if if somebody would answer an email or a phone call. Which, by the way, phone calls are expensive. Cell phone phone calls are real expensive. But it didn't really matter. Um, we're trying to save our kids' life. And uh, finally, we, we got to Texas. And uh, they uh, they accepted that they have a treatment out there that had a real high um, cure rate. So, we, we made... What's that? You said that was in Texas? Yeah. It's uh, was that, uh, MD Anderson? Anderson. Yeah. Exactly where where Tim Gaskins, on the previous episode, that's where he, right. he goes and has been going for years. The best. So we, we uh, make plans. The local car dealership here, um, Coastal Hyundai, they, um, they wanted to get us a rental car. To drive out there because I had a pickup truck, but not the four full doors. And then my wife's um, car at the time wasn't really reliable enough to make it out there. So they asked us what kind of vehicle would be great. I said something he could lay down in, you know, like a, like a minivan. We could take a seat out and he could lay down and uh, man, they got us the Mac daddy loaded up um, uh, suburban. And you lay all the seats down. You got this entire thing. So we actually made him. I brought like 10 or 12 comforters. And we made this whole bed thing for him. And when he didn't want to lay down. He could sit up in the in the chair. And, uh, and he absolutely was thankful for it. Because at this point. The cancer would just pop up. So you could watch a commercial. And now he's got a new pain. Because the cancer changed to his knee. Or started growing in his lip or his earlobe like it just started spreading like this mutant thing that had no respect or care for anything other than doing what it wanted to do 
So we get this this um, suburban all set up, and I get a phone call. Hey Shane, this is Adam, and uh, we're 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 uh, in Georgia, Savannah, Georgia, and we'd like you to come out and uh, if if Gage is up to, uh, would like to come out and be on set with us for for a day. And I was like, um, yeah, we're on our way to Texas now. Yeah, instead of instead of making a hard left, I could just go up for two hours or an hour and a half and and have my son meet Adam Sandler. So we get um we get to Savannah the the, the night before or the day before, and I walk up and I said, Yeah, um Shane I'm here to check in. He goes, Oh, your room's not ready, but Mr. Sandler has um done everything he could to make uh you guys feel comfortable. I was like, What? So they finally bring us back and um, we go into this room and, and Dave, if on Facebook, you'll see it's a, a metal, or I'm sorry, it's a um, piece of slate um, tray thing and it's got chocolate and strawberries and welcome to Savannah, uh, whatever it said on that, came, or welcome Gage. And then, uh, Funny part is, Gage didn't like chocolate, doesn't like whipped cream, doesn't like strawberries. My wife was like, this is pretty good for me. <laughs> so, so we were sitting there, and uh, I was like, Gage, where do you want, what do you want to do? And he's like, man, I want to go walk. I want to go walk this this town. And Savannah, for anybody that's never been there, is just an old, beautiful, these huge oak trees everywhere. It's just a gorgeous place. So we're walking and we only made it maybe half a block. And he's like, Dad, I'm sorry, I can't, dude. He's like, I'm 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 hurting too bad. I was like, no big deal. Let's go back. So we walk we go into the restaurant inside the hotel and we have dinner. And uh I said, Gage, we're gonna have a, a big day tomorrow. Let's let's go um let's go to bed early. He's like, Okay. So Krista, um, Gage and I Kaylee decided to stay um, home. She did. She wanted to gauge to have this moment to her, for him and not be a distraction. So that's why Kaylee wasn't there. So we go and lay down, and this guy next door, his TV was loud. I could hear him talking on the phone constantly all night long. I'm like, man, this this not great. Well, we wake up in the morning. And I get a phone call, and it's um, Adam's handler, Judith. She's like, hey, I'm down at the um, uh, restaurant. Come down. I want Adam wants to make sure you guys have a good breakfast today. I'm like, all right. So get Gage up and Krista up. And we go down. And we have this great little meal. And she's like, all right, you guys ready to go down and uh, see the set? And Gage, I mean, there was a pep in this boy's step like you wouldn't believe. The day before, he couldn't make it a, a, a block, even a half a block. Today he's heading for the van. Like, I mean, the I guess she, the easiest way to kidnap and gauge was to put him in a white van, tell him Adam Sandler where he was going to go see Adam Sandler because he jumped in a stranger's van like there was no big deal. And uh, Krista and I got in there, and Judas was like, "Hey, I'll meet you guys down there." And so she's like, "I'm right behind you." And I'm like, "What? What is this?" And she goes, "Oh, it's just the van that all the they pick up from all the actors and stuff from the hotel here." So apparently all the actors for that show or for that movie were in this hotel. So, of course, you know, I'm like, man, well, I wonder who. Of course, I'm thinking 
the woman that looks just like my second wife, Jennifer Aniston. Um, I'm thinking she's there. And um, you're supposed to ask me, Dave, how many times you've been married? Oh, how many times have you been married? Just once. But she looks okay. just like my second wife. <laughs> I know the. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so now I'm I'm kind of got like a little pep in my step, you know. I'm like, Krista, who do you think's gonna be there? You know, and she's like, I don't know. We had no idea what movie it was. Nothing. Okay, so we walk in to this room. And there are just tables with, ta or, you know, folding tables with uh, tablecloths. So they're lined up one after another. And uh, she's all right, she's like, hey, you guys have a seat. Everybody will be here. And I'm telling you, dude, everybody walked in that room. No different, Dave, than if you were to walk into a room at work with all your coworkers. Like just another day. Of course, you know, the peon people, which I call the little people. Gage, myself, and Krista are sitting there just like, oh my God, there's that person. That's that person. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, everybody just comes and sits down at the table we're sitting at. I scratch that. Shane, as people start walking in, are like, I really have to go to the restroom. I'll be right back. So I leave. I come back. Gage and Krista are in full-on conversation with Adam Sandler, Nick, uh, Nick Swanson, um, David Spade, Luz Guzman, like everybody is just sitting around the table and they're all just laughing at Gage. Like Gage is whipping. Grubs too? No. No. I'll, I'll tell you in a second because it just, it's, <laughs> it doesn't, the timing couldn't have been perfect, more perfect. Anyways, so we go in to the, um, um, should say, we give Adam Sandler and everyone on, on set all the actors or what have you. Um, we give them a support shirt. Um, Engage gives uh, David Spade, who is a little feller, gives him an in infant t-shirt. That's just a little tiny shirt. And Gage goes, I hope it's not too big on you. <laughs> is it big man in a little coat? No. Oh, no, no. Tommy boy. No, 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 no. Oh, no, you're not going to guess it. You're not going to guess it. But so David Spain is holding up this infant support shirt and Adam is freaking rolling. He's like, that's the funniest thing right there. And David Spade, she was kind of annoyed by it. You know, I'm like, yes, I know I'm little, but you know, you don't have to make fun of me anyways. So we all get up and we're walking and Adam and Gage are just, they're just, um, engaged like in, in, in conversation. And he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, we just had uh, lunch. If you guys want anything, um, it was Boston Market. or what? They just had this, everything catered in. Everything just gets, came in. And whenever you want to eat, you just eat. Whenever you want to drink, you just drink. Like, everything is there. And Gage is like, wow, you got, I don't know what what happened on this day. My son is, grabs a pickle, and he's eating a pickle, and he's like, oh, you got ice cream. And then Adam just started going, oh, uh Gage likes um, uh, pickles and ice cream. Are you pregnant, Gage? Like, and everyone's laughing and Gage is having fun. And we go up on set and we walk into this room, which turns into a bedroom from outside. It's just a, some wood walls and you walk in, it's a full on bedroom. And uh, Adam turns, he goes, I'd like to go ahead and apologize to the parents of Gage. Um, today's scene is 
going to have some risky stuff in it. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, not everybody can be in this room for the next scene. So there was some nudity in this next scene. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, but you can go out here and watch it all on the monitors. And when I say monitors, there are like monitors, every camera angle you can imagine. And uh, so we go out there and Adam gives Gage his producer seat or his not producer seat, but the um, the star's the chair, seat. the star's chair, whatever, yeah. and gives him his headphones and tells Gage, yell action. And Gage yells action and scene starts. And I'm like, holy crap. And my son is full on headphones, holding, looking at the screen, paying attention to things. And at the end, Adam yells cut or, or whoever yells cut. And Adam goes, what do you think about that scene? My son goes, now, see, the shadow right here looks like this, blah, blah, blah. And Adam goes, oh, you're right. Do it again. I'm, I am over here grabbing him by the neck going, shut up. Like, I don't know how many dollars that costs to make that scene. Just that one that you're having them redo because you notice some shadow. Shut up. Like, my kid is full-blown thrown into... I'm a producer now, like just instantly. And I'm realizing that it just, this is my son's dream, you know? And I was just like, you know what? I crossed my arms, sat back and just watched him smile the entire time. Then Krista, Gage asked for a drink or something. Krista went to open up a soda bottle and she's kind of spilled it on his jeans, on Gage's jeans. And uh, Gage is like, well, mom, be careful. Adam's like, someone got get Gage a napkin. Someone get Gage a napkin. No one moved quick enough. Adam jumps up, runs out of the room, comes back with napkins and gives it to Gage. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like well, what is going on here? Like, and then, and then Gage disappears with uh, Jonathan. And uh, Jonathan's the one that, um, during the movie, sometimes he makes his eye go crooked or whatever. Um, so Krista and I are sitting there and we're like, um, yeah, uh, so where's my son? Oh, he's hanging out with, with Jonathan in Adam Sandler's trailer with this dog, Meatball. I'm like, what do you, my son is in whose trailer doing what? Adam's just like, oh, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go back up on set. You guys have fun. Just left Gage in there in his trailer. Now, meantime, Krista and Adam's wife, Jackie, are on full. Like, I thought they were shopping the next day. Like, they were just talking the whole time. These are normal people we put on this pedestal as if we're they're, they're untouchable or un, unable to be talked to. My wife, who's the shyest person in the world until you get to know her, and then she's annoying. Um, she and her and Jackie were just straight having a conversation off to the side, talking about shopping and kids and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, holy crap. So, Gage is, uh, we've been there eight hours all day long. And Gage, I can just see, is uncomfortable. He's starting to get 
pains. And I said, Hey, Adam, I said, we're going to have to go. Like, I don't want to cut this short for my son, but he's, he's dying. He's, he's in so much pain, but he doesn't want to leave. And he's like, no, I get it. I get it. He's like, um, you guys want to come back tomorrow? I said, we can't, we have to be in Texas at this time. Um, so we, we can't cut that, that option short. So, um, he's like, oh, okay, no big deal. Well, we go back to the hotel room and as I'm sitting there talking to Gage and we're just having like a reminiscent of the day, I hear this TV come on next door. I hear conversations on the phone through the walls and I'm like, who is this person on the other side of the wall? So we walk out to the courtyard and I can see our hotel room door and the neighbor's door. It was Nick Swanson. He's in there doing like his, uh, uh, he wasn't on the phone. He was doing his scenes for the next day, but he had to have the TV up loud so no one could hear the scenes. I'm like, what is, what are you doing? He's like, oh man. He's like, this is how I got to do this. Cause if not, I'm like, but you know, you keep everybody else up, bro. How about some headphones? And he's like, no, oh, no. He's like, I got to do it this way. So I was like, well, I'm going to go to the bar to get a beer. Do you want a beer? And he's like, no, I got to get to bed early because I do have to get up early. I have to be on set at six, not show up, but be at on. I was like, okay. So it's like a real job. Okay, cool. Not just show up, everybody, you know, like it's all planned. I, I never put any kind of thought process to it. So the next morning we load Gage up in the Suburban and we head out. On we're we're in wow man, I don't even know. We there was a whole lot of water. We were on bridges that didn't see land for a while. Uh on I ten going west. Probably Louisiana. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. Adam calls Gage. And he's like, Hey Gage. Not Nick Sandler's now stalking your family, yeah. you realize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It gets it gets worse. And by worse okay. I mean makes him just a great guy. Um so, while, oh, I forgot to tell you, Dave. While we were there, Gage asked Adam, Oh, yeah, I like this movie when you played Little Nicky. Dude went into character of Little Nicky. Boom. Then Gage is like, Oh, yeah, um, this scene with Waterboy goes into Waterboy character instantly. The cartoon, the cartoon, the Christmas one that he's got, he hits every one of those uh, characters in just, just, Boom, 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 boom. And you hear it and you're just like, dude, that's the source it came from. Like from the movie. You know what I mean? Like like it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because you're just listening to him change characters instantly and he's totally that character. So Gage gets his phone call from Adam and Adam's like, you know, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm just laying here while my chauffeur, my dad is taking me to the to Texas or whatever. And then Adam's like, well, did he stop and get you any lunch? And Gage is like, not yet. We're going to. He's like, and Gage asked him, he goes, did you have lunch? He goes, oh, yeah, I had uh, KFC. And Gage goes, don't you mean Popeye's? Like in little Nikki's voice. <laughs> and then the rest of the conversation, like a 10-minute conversation with Adam Sandler was in little Nikki voice talking to my son <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> It was so flipping amazing. So we get um, to Texas. We get set up with MD Anderson. We get set up with a hotel. 
And you know, we kept this GoFundMe thing going, but only as we needed it. So about every 10 days, we were spending about $1,400 in Houston, Texas for a hotel room, which was not in a great part of town, was not a safe hotel. Um, but that was the cheapest we could find. So as we needed it, we would ask for money. And we did that leapfrogging all the way up until the very end. We didn't just say, hey, we need $100,000. No, we, we just asked for what was needed at the time. And we ended up getting up, I think we raised a little more than $33,000 in the 10 months. Um, but, I mean, it was crazy. So we, we ended up staying at the Ronald McDonald house. Um, we ended up getting out of this hotel and getting to the Ronald McDonald house, which was a block and a half from the hospital. So Gage is now doing radiation and chemo at, at the hospital. And he's now not able to walk. His last time walking was he stepped into a bathtub to take a little bath. And my wife had to pull him out because the cancer just grew and he couldn't walk anymore. Like at that moment, done. So my wife called me and said, cause I was actually in at, at home and she said, you have to come back. He can't walk anymore. So they ended up the time I got there, he was already at the hospital and that was it. He never walked again. Um, and he went through all these treatments, did all this stuff. He made little notes for the nurses, you know, thanks for taking care of me. Sorry. You had to wipe my butt. <laughs> you know, like, all this stuff, like just little notes and stuff, just make people smile. And then he had this dry eraser board that, because he had the tube down his throat, he could no longer um, talk or couldn't breathe on his own. The cancer had swollen so much that they had to put the tube in to keep oxygen flowing. Well, <clears throat> it's the middle of the night and the nurse comes in and they, start doing the suction thing on his trach or on his trach tube and they pull out this large chunk of something and the lady kind of picks it up and rolls it up and and uh oh carries it away and next morning doctor comes in and I was like good I need to talk to you he goes yeah we got to talk to you too come into this little room and I was like Oh yeah, we're going into this little room. We're gonna have a conversation, you know. In my head, the whole I got, I need to find out what's going on with this lady just pulled out on my kid's tube. Like, what is going on? So <clears throat> we go in this room, and he's like, "Well, we've done this treatment. He's had this and that." And I'm like, "Doc, just spit it out, dude. What what what's up?" He's like, "Yeah, the cancer is growing so fast that it is actually growing to the end of the tube that is in his lungs." And at some point is going to, when Gage goes to exhale, is going to clog off the end of the um, tube that's in his lungs. And because they could, they almost didn't get this tube in his throat. It swelled up so much. And there was no way of pulling it out and putting one back in because it just wasn't going to work. And they said um, his lungs are filling with uh, fluids. Um, can't The cancer had torn into his lungs. And just, I mean, he was fully awake and aware of everything. And, you know, it was just the pain meds. We would sit there 
they had them on this for the longest time. They had them on a pump. And if the light turned green, you could hit the pump and it would give him some pain meds. But the problem is he would be asleep, wake up from the pain. And the time he pushed that button and the pain meds would take effect, he was already in pain again. So it was like this, or he was asleep again. So it was like this thing. So Chris and I just sat there the whole time. Every time that light turned green, we just pushed the button. Just kept hitting that button. Like all day. That's all we did is push that button just to keep him comfortable. So the doctors pretty much told us that was the end of Gage. And I said, all right. I said, I'm going to go be with my son. I want him taken off the pain meds so we can have a conversation. So he knows what's going on. Um, <clears throat> so we go in. And now I would do this to him every morning. I'd take him off his pain meds. And when he wake up, I'd make him do arm exercises and stuff to you know keep blood flowing and, and that's what the doctors told us to do so that's what i would do so he woke up realized it was morning started pumping his arms and i put my hands over his hands i said son you'll have to do that anymore <clears throat> we went in and and like everything told him that this can this treatment didn't work this cancer treatment didn't work this didn't work and the kid was just like cool 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 this time I explained to him that his lungs were going to fill with fluid and he's going to pass. And he looked at me, gave me the thumbs up, gave me the, you know, give me a gun. <laughs> like he's just like, dude, give me a gun. I'll put it in my head now. Like I'm done too. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm done. And I explained to him that they were going to come in and sedate him, lower the oxygen level. And he's just going to pass without even knowing it. And he wrote on the, on the dry eraser board. Cool. The nurse came in. He's like, let me ask this guy to pass now. Like he was done. And it sounds really quick, really fast, but it made it easier on us as parents that he was ready to go. If that makes sense. Um, so they came in and we said bye to him. He mouthed. He loved everybody. I called Adam Sandler and said, hey, they're letting Gage go. You know, and he's like, Gage, I love you. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Adam, I better go. Click. And then they started the sedation. Um, and within less than 20 minutes, he was gone. It was quick. And um, months and months and months later, the movie that we were on set with, with, with Gage and Adam, was the movie called The Do-Over. And it was about cancer. And I don't know if you know that or not. But that was the movie called The Do-Over. I bet Gage was there for the purpose of inspiring them I don't, in a way that he didn't even know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we had no idea it was about cancer, that movie, until we watched it. And it wasn't until three quarters of the way through, or a quarter of the way through the movie, you find out he has cancer. I didn't know that. Well, obviously, that was, what year did this happen? He passed uh, August uh, 24th, 2015. 15. So 14 through 15. Clearly the worst year of yours and Krista's life. Um, I think there's a lot of questions that I'm sure that we want to know. You know, why was this not detected during blood work that there was cancer? What happened to the other two families? How did they handle uh, that, you know, the, the, the people from... From his platoon? Age in the military. Yeah. Okay. 
what what did those families do? How did that how did that turn out for them? And those kind of questions, I guess, interesting to know, but yet a little bit trivial now considering. I think the 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 lesson or the thing to think about is this. You know, there's there's two ways you can lose somebody. One is quick and one is slowly. And what's better? I don't know. I mean, you know, you had mentioned about not being there for Gage in your mind and, and having regret about not being there when he shaved his head. But yet look at all the stuff that you and Krista had the opportunity to, to do for him to give him such joy, the skydiving, the experience, and not just experience, but you know, this isn't like a quick make-a-wish one and done and you're out. He developed a friendship with Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler is never, ever going to forget him. You won't be able to forget him. I know that. Um, you know, in the case of my mother, it was, you don't even have time to say goodbye. It's just one day, your child is gone. And I can't imagine that pain. I, I mean, even when I try to imagine that pain, I kind of say, oh, I'm not going there. Hell with that. That's the sickest feeling in the world. And so it, it shows how strong you and Chris are as parents. And that you're willing to think it takes for the happiness of your child. So let's wrap up by talking about what you have done to remember Gage and to keep his memory alive. Well, <clears throat> we started a couple of years ago. Actually, one of the teachers from the middle school that he went to never had him as a student. But, or as, yeah, as a student, but always realized what a great kid he was and how he was helpful. This guy started a um, scholarship in my son's name it's called the Gage Robbins Good Citizenship. Um, I'll, um, trying to think. It's in Gage Robbins Good Citizenship. Um, what is it called? Uh, scholarship. Sorry. Um, he started that a couple of years ago and was asking money for, you know, donations, what have you. And we got all the money, most of it through the PPG community. And then, um, we decided to take it over and start raising some serious money. And this year, thanks to bad apples, they donated, um, over $5,000 or they donated $5,000 in gauges or to gauges scholarship. And then we had a fly in this year, um, this it's called uh, fly it for gauge it's in florida in bowling green florida and we are in the works right now of making a second annual uh fly it for gauge but the first one we raised um right at five thousand dollars so we had raised ten thousand dollars um between the two events so we are going from one five hundred dollar scholarship to two one thousand dollar scholarships at two different schools, one from Hardy Lakes, the, the county that we had the flying at, and then the the, um, high, the high school that my son graduated from. So we're going to be able to keep his name alive by adding each year a $1,000 scholarship to the two schools. That's awesome. That's awesome, Shane. What... Um... Last, last question I want to ask you is what advice can you give to a parent who finds themselves in a situation where they just lost their child? 
nothing um, that is going to change anything for how you feel. There's nothing you can say. You know, you, you, someone dies and you go to their loved ones, you like, you're sorry for your loss. And I'm not trying to be rude by this. It, I don't mean it to be rude. There's no, there's nothing you can say that's going to fill any of that void. So when I heard that, I will tell you that with Gage's following, um, when we had his celebration for life, we had to have it at an auditorium that had over 800 seats and a fire marshal that was getting ready to shut the doors until no one else can come in. He had over 800 people show up wearing lime green, whether it be shirt, socks, you know, hat, um, to show his uh, support for his cancer or his fight with cancer. And uh, I think there was over 2,000 people um, that was watching that live stream. All for this 19-year-old kid. So what I can tell you as a parent that loses a child. <sighs> it's, it's, some days are better than others. <clears throat> for me, I don't ever want to be alone. To be honest with you. <clears throat> If I'm alone, I have time to think, and it's bad. Um, <clears throat> so always, I'm always with somebody, whether it's my wife, my friends, or whatever. It's always with somebody. So find yourself, find yourself with loved ones, and just live day by day with some days birthdays come around it's not just the day that he passed you know you got christmas holidays birthdays everything it's it's not just one day it's every day always remember you mm -hmm. always remember if someone wants to make a donation to gauge's fund how can they do so well uh, i don't have anything set up um i we only had the the we didn't have anything set up for this um, as of right now because we were. I wasn't planning on. Dave's looking at me like, "Are you crazy?" Um, we only set it up to to do for the pain of the um, the pilot's fees. I guess if you want to zell um, my super long YouTube name, <laughs> which is never trust the skinny chef Shane at Gmail. Let me double check that. Um, yeah. We can put that out there. Yeah, look, if you want to make a donation, and, and I know you've had people come up to you and say, hey, use this money as you see fit, and you said, I'm going to use it towards what it's supposed to be, yeah. And so the, you can do that. And I'm sure at some point you'll have something set up too as this continues to grow. Hey. Listen, I want to thank you so much. Yeah, Dave, I really thank do. you. Easy thing to talk about. And uh, I appreciate you and Krista and your hearts. And... Um, and putting it out there and hopefully this message reaches someone and helps somebody and you know continue to keep his legacy and and his love of life alive which is great i greatly We've appreciate it full of uh <laughs> as i said heavy heavy uh, episodes here on beyond the summit next week we've got uh ava geller ava geller is a d1 athlete Division one athlete at the University of Cincinnati playing with cross. It's uh it's tough. 
it's tough to get to that level. She's going to talk about how she, how she has gone beyond her own summits and made it to that level and kind of give uh, people out there who have kids that want to play Division One sports what they can do to get themselves lined up. So there's that. Again, thank you, Shane Robinson, Krista, for uh, for sharing the story. I didn't, uh, I didn't know any of this, and uh, it was good to hear it. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you to all the listeners for uh, listening to this week's episode of Beyond the Summit. We'll hear, hear, you'll hear us. Or we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, this is David. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, please go ahead and give this episode a five-star rating. Also, leave a review or any questions you might have for the guests and I'll make sure they get it. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you again next week on Beyond the Summit.